0: Welcome to Newborn to Teen and Everything in Between, the podcast from Bespoke Family.
1: I'm Bex. And I'm Claire. Thanks for joining us as we tackle the ups and downs of life with children, helping you to get the best out of your time together. No rules, no judgment, just guidance. So grab a cuppa and
0: let's get started with today's episode. So everybody, welcome to today's podcast. And today we're absolutely delighted to welcome Alina Linden from Eric, which is the Children's Bowel and Bladder Charity. Actually, I've just found out, based just round the corner from me in Bristol, which is quite interesting. I, I never knew that it was so close, um, and you know, have seen lots and lots about Eric and uh, didn't realise quite how close it was, but. What I'm going to do now is defer to Claire in her capacity as official poo and wee expert of bespoke family. Perhaps we'll put it on your, um, your business card kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, I think So welcome Alina anyway, nice to have you with us.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for
0: asking me to join you. Not at all. Delighted.
1: It's going to be one of those um, podcasts, a bit like our toilet training podcast where the amount of talk about We and poo is probably going to be quite something so um first off <laughs> let you know it would be great if Alina could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and what you do with Eric
2: yeah thank you yeah okay then so yeah as Bex explained at the beginning so Eric the children's bowel and bladder charity we're a national charity based in Bristol and we're dedicated to improving the lives of all children and teenagers in the UK who are facing continence challenges. So that's right from a toilet training issue, bed wetting, daytime bladder problems, constipation and soiling. We've been going for about 30 years now, our way of primarily helping children and teenagers is by supporting all those that care for them so whether that's their parents and carers um the nurses or the doctors that they might go and visit for that bladder or bowel issue and also the people at school because obviously children spend a huge part of their lives at school and that's something i'm sure that will come on to school toilets because it's a particular um, sort of favorite topic of mine at the moment so yeah that's in a nutshell what eric does In terms of my um, sort of working life with Eric, I joined Eric um, about nine years ago now. I knew nothing about continents whatsoever. At the time I had um, two boys and they were sort of, you know, like eight eight and 10, and they thought it was pretty hilarious that their mum was going to work for a wee and poo charity. Um, So yeah, so I started working on their helpline and I received some really excellent, as all our helpline advisors do, um, excellent training um, from a specialist continence advisor nurse. So then I started taking calls. The majority of people who call our, our free phone helpline are our parents and carers. We do get lots of calls from other all different types of people, you know, childminders, people who work in nurseries. GPs sometimes will ring, sometimes they'll ring about their own children and let slip and what well, I'm actually I'm a GP and I should know this, shouldn't I? But yeah, so that's how I started on the Helpline. I've also got a background in journalism, so I was writing for the website, writing articles. Um, and then about four years ago, I switched over to work as a communications manager for Eric. Um, so sort of more my, my, my kind of natural background. But actually having been on the Helpline and known about the sorts of things that people um, need help with, that's been really useful for informing the sorts of resources that now we we get available on our website moving into digital resources as well we've got things like animations about bedwetting and constipation um, lots of downloadable free sheets that you know are really widely used actually they're being used all over the world as well because we're a national charity in the UK and that is our charitable remit but we can see from our google analytics that there's people in australia america asia all over the world because as far as we're aware there isn't really another organization quite like eric for children and teenagers um, so there's a huge demand out there because around one in 12 um, children and teenagers will struggle at some point with um, a continents, um challenge so um, it's it's one of those issues that just isn't talked about enough sadly but it's it's a big problem for a lot of young people
1: I think it's it's just one of those things, isn't it, that we don't talk about kind of we and poo very much. And I think when you become a parent or potentially work with children, you suddenly realise this. This becomes a big topic for a long time. And <laughs> regardless, you know, whether it's the children love to talk about it or actually you start from very young when they're tiny babies and you're checking their nappies and how often they pooing and things like that. And then it kind of continues that whole way through and we always say that one of the biggest things is you know poo and we is one of those things that tell us how well our bodies are working and if we're Mm. okay and that actually we need to teach children to know that it's all okay to talk about we and poo in a positive way because it's really important to us um, and our health and it does have a huge impact if you know a child is constipated or
2: anything Massively, Yeah, I'd agree with all of that, Claire. And it's about, yeah, children knowing it's okay to talk about, it, but also children and everybody else um, around them knowing what's normal, because I think there's a big gap in actually, um, you know, what is constipation? We get a huge number of calls from parents, and the beginning of the conversation will be, My child um, keeps getting poo in their pants and they keep having little wee accidents and so when we start to ask a few more questions about that and kind of say well okay so how often are they going to the toilet? Um, It sounds as if they could be constipated by, by what you're describing. The parents and carers are really shocked by that because for a lot of people they see constipation as being something like perhaps you're only doing one giant poo once a week when actually it can be pooing more than three times a day and you're doing constant runny poo which is overflow soiling. So it's what we try to do is kind of on our help plan is provide a listening ear which is non-judgmental but it's giving the reality and the education um because a lot for a lot of these people they'll go to their doctor and be told the same thing and again it goes back to i think this struggle that we all have really about talking about such a a natural bodily function it's interesting how you mentioned about younger children finding it funny and they do. And as parents, we all know, you know, fart jokes, the whoopee cushion. I can't imagine that ever going out of fashion as a stocking filler. But there's a point at which kids might still find it funny, but they don't want to be known as being that child that might have an accident. And if they do have an accident, that can begin a whole you know, terrible cycle of them feeling embarrassed, worried about going to the toilet at school, terrified they're going to have another accident, full of shame, start missing out on things, you know, kind of. It, it can start small in a way that's not to trivialize it but at, my goodness it can have a huge impact on their lives their family's lives and that impact is on their emotional well-being and their physical well-being because if you constipation particularly is not something children will necessarily grow out of untreated I shouldn't even say necessarily they won't um, it's very rare it needs to be treated so there's a really serious message here I think that yes it's wee and poo but we we talk about sleep with babies don't we the best way to put children to sleep we talk about uh, weaning what's right for them to eat all those different things but again with parents at a toddler group there's that when you start talking about potty training i think there's that worry of my child isn't toilet trained yet you know i'm feeling a bit embarrassed about that am i going to be judged as being that parent that's not been bothered Actually, some of these parents may be struggling um, for a number of reasons. One of those could be because their child has got undiagnosed constipation and stool withholding, which I know we're going to talk about later. That's why they're so tricky to, to potty train or they just don't know the basics and how to support their child because they haven't got a support network around them to, to help with that. So I'm, we're really passionate about Eric at, at trying to say to, to everybody, look, these we should talk about it and there's help out there and a good really good starting point is the eric website and our helpline if you're really struggling
1: i love the website and the resources on the (laughs) website are brilliant because there's stuff for children for adults for professionals and it's one of the websites that we always refer to and refer parents to or professionals to because it's really easy to access all the information and it's Mm -hmm. i think it you know it's one of our top top recommendations I think all the time of if there's parents struggling with particularly kind of really challenging and like you say we're going to talk about withholding and constipation and things like that but there's so much more on there so I think you know it's a great resource thank you
0: I had a friend who had a little boy who started being constipated quite early on And was referred to the the hospital eventually. But actually that did stop him from doing things like, like you said, Alina, you know, doing things like going on sleepovers and, you know, going on scout camp and things like that. Because I I know that when he was just sort of finishing primary school, parents actually took him to a, a, a school nurse because he was still wetting the bed and actually ended up saying, it, it's it's constipation still, you know, that's all linked, which I was completely, you know, blown away by, because actually having known, you know, that their, their little lad had, had had this issue right from, you know, being very small, actually, who would know that so much later on in life, that would still be affecting, but in a different kind of way. So, like you said, you know, you actually, and then I know that he had to take tablets, you know, sometimes to suppressants, you know, to stop the wee and things. Where, you know, on sleepovers and things, and that then becomes difficult. So you can't have the hot chocolate after you've had your tablet when you're on mm. when you're on scout camp mm. and things. So it is. It's it's a huge knock on that actually people because people don't talk about it as much um Mm. actually it can be really really tricky
2: Mm, definitely and yeah and you make such an interesting point about the the medication that the boy had to end up taking because these are medical conditions i think because they're medical conditions that can have a big effect on a child's behavior then the two things sort of end up as a bit of a double-headed beast really and people for example at school um say a a six-year-old who um i don't know keeps wetting themselves it's quite common and, and I can understand why a teacher might get really frustrated with that child and think, oh, for goodness sake, and they're always just rushing to the toilet. Um, and think maybe it's children doing it on purpose to be lazy, to be naughty, because if you don't have that understanding of, of how the bowel and bladder can behave um, when they're not doing so well, then, of course, it you've got a, a child presenting with quite you know odd behaviour. And actually, then the, the worry for them of having those behaviours just makes it worse. So you're into a complete vicious cycle. So I think that's why it is so important to make sure that the right information is there at the right time. Going back to that really good example you gave, um, Bex, with that family. So... Nice guidelines. So there's clinical guidelines on all sorts of different things, but there are nice guidelines on bedwetting, which which all nice guidelines are evidence based. They say that all children who are bedwetting over the age of five should be seen by a doctor, a healthcare professional, at that point, but for the very reason that. From that point on it is considered a medical condition which is treatable so at five he could have been assessed then and the assessment should look at, at what their how their bowel and their bladder are behaving and the constipation could and should have been picked up then and you treat the constipation and chances are it, it may have had you know really positive impact on his bed wetting as well and you know a much happier outcome not all of those missed trips and things but There is a myth, um, there's lots of myths about wee and poo, but one of the the main myths about bedwetting is, oh, it's totally normal, you know, for five, six, seven year olds to do it. It, There there are a lot of children who will do it, but that doesn't mean it's normal um, and there's nothing that you can do. So the, the number of times that we will hear that parents have gone to the GP and they say, oh, bring them back when they're seven. There's absolutely nothing we can do until they're seven. And I'm not wanting to bash GPs, but it's very frustrating Because that's totally against what we know the evidence says about helping these children. And another thing that you've said, Claire, to me before is that actually
0: constipation can also affect behaviour, which I found Mm -hmm. quite interesting.
1: Yes, I actually learnt that from the ERIC training. And about the fact that obviously if they, you know, if a child has poo build-up in their body you know that's waste product from our body and actually if that's sitting in the body it can release kind of those toxins that change behavior but also it's going to change behavior if and i'm sure everyone listening to this podcast at some point has experienced something like constipation someone has you know pretty much everyone has at some point it is so unbearably horrible to experience and if That's an odd occasion due to whatever, you know, medication or whether it's due to different, you know, different things going on in your life at that time. But if you imagine a child going through that, it must just be awful because they just don't, they can't sit still. They don't want to eat because they can't get comfortable. And all of those things, when I'm supporting families and we're looking at toilet training or even just generally behaviour, another question I'll ask is, do they poo regularly and what's it like and actually... Is it? Do you think they are constipated? Because that can impact on behaviour.
0: Yeah, I found that so interesting. Yeah, it
2: can have a huge impact um, in all sorts of different ways. I mean, obviously, all children are individual, but there's some key sort of traits that come out of it. Is a lot of those things, Claire, you talked about the the loss of appetite, um, having meltdowns, particularly as they feel the need to do a poo, because that's the difference between, say, an adult and a child. That as adults we you know, some people might get a bit constipated when they're coming up to their period or you've had an operation or you've had to take strong painkillers. So you're sort of almost expecting it. And you know that, you know what you need to do, which is to you know drink more water, possibly take laxatives if you need to. But have plenty of time to sit on the toilet, your fibre, that kind of stuff to kind of get yourself over the hurdle. Children don't understand that. It, it, it can start often from just one painful poo. They weren't necessarily even constipated, but just that funny stretching feeling. And that can set them off into this cycle of the more they worry about it hurting, the harder they try to to stop the poo from coming out and not realising that they're doing the very worst thing for their bodies. Because the longer the poo stays there, the harder and drier it gets, the more likely it is to hurt. And so it goes on. In fact, I've just loaded up yesterday a whole section on the ERIC website about withholding. We and poo withholding, because this isn't just children with poo would do this. But yeah, I mean, then the, my own daughter did it, actually. It was after I'd started working at ERIC, so it, I felt really fortunate that I, I knew the signs to look out for. But she'd never had any issues with poo whatsoever when she was in her nappy. I potty trained her probably about two. And she was fine for wheeze, she sat on the, the potty, but she absolutely freaked out about doing a poo. And she's quite a kind, you often say that people will call the helpline and say, you know, they're very, um, very intelligent and they, you know, they, they want to do things properly. They want to please me and, you know, very bright and very hitting all their milestones. But this thing about poo and it, it, it doesn't care about, you know, the kind of poo problem doesn't care about what kind of child they are. But what it will do to that child often follows a very similar theme. And so I'll just give my daughter's experience. So. She would um, just point blank refuse to do the poo on the on the potty. Um, I tried everything. I you know just I knew that I needed to get her sitting on there um, and try and get her relaxed as well. I tried to relax her um you know i we'd sing songs all the things that, that that do that do help but my goodness she had such an iron will and i was finding it really difficult <laughs> to break that will um, then she, if the poo then started coming she would really really panic and want the nappy back on and then she would go but i think because that problem had set in she then stopped go. having been a child that pooed maybe once twice a day nice soft poos which is the ideal for children She started skipping days, and then I think she got to about four days with no poo. So I'm there with my helpline hat on thinking, oh my goodness, she's getting constipated, what do I do? But luckily I knew through my training that actually this problem was only gonna get worse for her and I needed to get in quick with some what's called macrogol laxatives. Uh, I think it was Malvacol that I gave her. So it's a powder that you mix with a drink and all that laxative is doing, and again, this is the first line treatment recommended by NICE. I had to go to the GP to get it. I think I rang them. I don't think I even played the Eric card. I just said, "Oh, my daughter's not pooed for four days," and then um, I think she might need some laxatives. Anyway, to cut long story short. I knew that I needed to keep her poo soft. I needed to keep her poo coming because you need to see some poo. No poo is not is not good. And it, it felt mean because actually, yeah, it di- it really did. It what it does is it because it softens the poo. It then stimulates the bowel to do what the bowel wants to do, which is you eat. You, you poo out the waste so it so it stopped it hurting it really meant that she really had no choice and I think the breakthrough was when she just did this absolutely tiny little pellet in the in the potty um you wouldn't report it but yeah it was it was just minute but my goodness we celebrated and she I think that was the beginning to unlock it for her that you uh-huh. know the world had not ended because a small amount of poo had gone in that potty we did a big you know kind of she tipped it into the toilet and oh, aren't I such a big girl now and and I kept going with the with the laxatives for a couple of days more just to make sure that she was sort of, you know, I basically had to handhold her through that experience of, which is very common for a lot of children at that age because it's a completely new thing that we're asking them to do, to engage with poo, which for some children, you know, even just seeing it as something they're losing as part of themselves can, can be really upsetting. There's children with additional needs and sensory differences as well where they just find that whole concept just... You know just difficult so there can be all sorts of different reasons but i would urge any parent going through this it, it is incredibly common like i said to go on the eric website and have a look at the resources particularly there's one called um it's got a really bad title children who will only poo in a nappy and other toilet avoiders um but it's one of our most popular downloads because it is so common and these are children <laughs> that like my daughter fine with the weeing but she would not go without a nappy on and it's far better to allow them the nappy on to go for that that period of time that they need to be helped through it, then take the nappy off, expect them to go cold turkey, because a lot of children just won't. They and they will hold on to it, and then they can get into that cycle, the constipation withholding cycle, and that's what you want to try and avoid.
1: So when we talk about withholding, I think probably what exactly do we mean by that
2: term? Yeah. So withholding is when a child uses their bottom or bladder muscles to stop themselves from passing a wee or a poo.
1: Okay. Perfect. It's interesting that it's the most downloadable kind of resource you have because lots of people who message us about toilet training, it is about poo normally, whether it's withholding or not wanting to use the toilet or the potty or not doing a wee or a poo when they're at nursery or school and that that's then they're coming home and obviously they still, if they've been holding all day, it can then cause problems for them at home because obviously constipation things like that there's lots of factors that cause children to want to withhold or you know they don't necessarily know they're doing it but they they go to do it what kind of main reasons do you find
2: for children doing that I think the number one reason would be that a child is constipated it started with constipation and that painful poo and then that set them off in the cycle um, so that's why we would always say to check out for the constipation first. Or it, with wee withholding, it may be that perhaps they've had a urinary tract infection. Um, actually, with both, wee and poo withholding, it may just be a period of illness, so their bowel and bladder habits change. You know, if they had a virus or perhaps very hot weather, that kind of thing, and they just, you know, it only takes... I think the evidence shows, research shows, it just takes one painful poo, even as a baby, that children's brains, they remember that. You know, it's, it's perfectly natural when you think of it that we're all we all would rather avoid things that we find painful <laughs> so um it it's trying to get into their heads, though, to then help them unpick that. And unfortunately, the, the only way you can really do that is by making sure that they keep going, but that but they have enough experiences of pain-free wee or poo that they begin. You begin to then be able to sort of heal the behaviour around it as well. It's sort of the two pronged. You, you you treat the medical, the, the physical side of it, and then the behaviour. But going back to the reasons, yeah, yeah I mean, there's lots. But I And sometimes it can be a whole combination. So the constipation, a change in routine. Sometimes you just find that it's things like, you know, starting school is classic, going up to a different room at nursery. Again, the thing about weeing and pooing is, um, particularly pooing, is you need to be relaxed to be able to do it. But if you're feeling stressed at school, because the teacher perhaps has said to you, you should have gone at lunch, you know you've got the rest of the afternoon sitting there and you can't go or just for a lot of kids the toilets at school aren't very nice places to be <laughs> it's just one of those things isn't it for history and evermore <laughs> no. well it'd be nice to think that they might improve but um, we've all got a sort of school toilet experience
1: with school toilets i think it's also that there's other children in there and mm. sometimes other adults in mm. there and you know children are pushing the doors open and also how long you're there because mm-hmm. it's like hurry up and it's like if yeah. that child's yeah. struggling but kids banging on the do, doors,
2: and you might that you might doesn't not help even be paper anybody. in there exactly it's and it's not you know Eric, we're not uh-huh. about blaming schools because kids themselves aren't always great at looking after the school toilets you know weeing all over the place and leaving you know leaving it in a, in a not a very nice state so it's yeah it's completely understandable why children would feel like this but unfortunately like you said Mm -hmm. you know the beginning of this question the the longer that you go without going the worse it's going to get really so um for children that really don't like pooing at school one of the tips Mm -hmm. is to encourage them to do a poo after breakfast so at least they're able to go to school with a with a cleared bowel because prime pooing times for the body is sort of twenty to thirty minutes after every meal, so it's quite good trying to try and encourage the bowel to kind of get into the habit of opening after breakfast. You know, nice relaxed toilet sit. Just make time in the day for that. Um, also just educating children as well. Our wee and poo pages, the the, the kids pages, it kind of tells a little story really of how you know how to keep your bowel and bladder as healthy as possible and wee and poo. Um, from misbehaving because a child does need to understand that actually they, they are they can be in control of this because at the very worst end of this you've got kids that actually will avoid eating and drinking at school so they don't have to go which is pretty horrifying isn't it that because we you know we know that if you don't drink there's all sorts of different things in the body that aren't going to be working properly how can you concentrate um you know your poor bladder is really not going to work properly if you're not drinking and again it has a knock onto your poo so um i think it is about sort of not scaring children with this but just trying to help them understand you know the, the best the best ways they can they can sort of help their bowel and bladder and also avoid the accidents as well because you know the, the less you're drinking rather than thinking that's going to help your bladder it just has the opposite effect um so yeah yeah so i think the best thing is to i mean i could i could literally go on for hours about store withholdings um so i think it's about looking at the, the these new pages on our website and mm-hmm. i'm sure there'll be families there that will think oh yeah that's my child they do this this and this and the way the pages are designed it sort of takes you from one page say for example we've got like signs of withholding all those things like a child going and hiding behind the sofa putting themselves in a bend where they kind of look like they're straining to do a poo I'm talking about younger children particularly but actually they're straining to hold on from signs of withholding it then goes on to um kind of treating it so yeah we've we hope it's been designed as sort of a bit of a journey through withholding really to be to be used in that way okay and what kind
1: of things can parents you know do right at the beginning probably at that potty training stage what kind of things could they do to try and hopefully kind of help that not to happen and have those positive associations with using the potty or the toilet?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question because it, it does I think you what you're doing at the potty training stage is the first time, isn't it for a lot of children that they're being asked to engage with with this bit of their bodies and I think it is about trying to make it as positive as you can and normalise it and talk about it. Um, I know there's that thing that lots of families do where you're just it's just part of family life, isn't it? They're used to seeing you go to the toilet. Things like getting making brown play-doh and just getting children, particularly children that might have got some sensory differences, just to, to play with brown dough doh make poo shapes. Um, sorry I'm really laughing Alina that's completely inappropriate I I just (laughs) thought that was so funny (laughs) Um, the sort of the golden tips as well for your bladder and your bowel are to make sure children are ideally pooing doing some nice soft poo once a day and then and just keep a track if you if it's if you don't if you think there could be a bit of a poo problem you've looked at the Eric website just keep a simple diary of their poo habits and and their weeing you know for a couple of days to to um, sort of be a bit of a detective around it and really don't um, leave it too long before calling us or booking that appointment with the GP um, if you think there could be something a little bit amiss. So drinking well, so children should be having sort of between six to eight cups and that's a cup appropriate for their age, their size um, throughout the day, sort of spread evenly throughout the day because particularly with those children that you mentioned at school, when they're not drinking well in the day, they'll just get home and be desperately thirsty and do all their drinking at the wrong end of the day. Um, and potentially, you know, that, that has a knock-on effect if they're struggling with bed wetting as well. But again, it goes back to it's not... The bladder is a muscle and it works best when you fill it um, regularly and you empty it regularly and it gets stronger as you do that. So um, drinking regularly, spotting for signs of constipation and just making it relaxed So some kids will much rather that they, you know, uh, the toilet is a place they just go off to on their own and they do their thing and that's how they want it to be. Other children need quite a lot of reassurance and they want you there with them. Things that you can help kids relax and also just like, it's a funny concept isn't it, to try and explain to a child what you need to do to to push a poo out. Blowing is really, really helpful because we use the same muscles for blowing as we do for pooing. And it's just, and it's a nice, it's a fun thing. Just get one of those little cheap windmill things that a child, it's not like blowing furiously, you're not blowing up a balloon. It's just that sort of relaxing, the blowing, feet um, flat as well. So if they're on a potty, that's fine because their feet are going to be flat on the floor. But I would say you don't need to spend a lot of money. I don't know if we're allowed to mention the great big Swedish furniture store, but they do a very reasonable footstool um couple of quid it be the best couple of quid you've ever spent because that footstool for children it helps them get up onto the toilet and it also puts their feet in a really nice stable position for um going to the toilet you you it, it really does promote a very good toileting position so i would say rush out and get yourself a footstool and don't feel you've just got to use that potty training that's you know the, the odd times i've had constipation i've used a footstool and it's, it's made a huge difference.
1: They come in very handy they for do, lots of They do, yeah. Things. Reaching tall cupboards in your
2: kitchen. <laughs> get a couple. Don't just get one. Every toilet should have
1: one. Yep. <laughs> and I think it's also um, up to the sink as well, so that they can be independent with yes, hand washing. Yes, yeah. So that the whole process exactly. becomes
2: yeah.
1: quite an independent yes. element. Because actually, I think sometimes we're there. You know, I, I've worked with little ones. I've had little ones who are like, leave me alone shut the door I don't want anyone in here and it's like that's fine and then I had I remember one little one who I think just loved the whole idea of me sitting on the bathroom floor and used to require a hand massage <laughs> and um and we used to just sing together Quality time. Was, you know peering yeah. on the toilet and it was like oh this is this is the glamorous side of nannying but um yeah it's uh I and I also remember a parent I worked uh, had at one of the nurseries and she was a first-time parent and we got to at the, the toilet training stage and I will never forget her because was like what do I do and we were like you know take her with you to the toilet so that she starts to understand what's and she looked at me and she just went you are joking oh, really? and I was like oh no You've got years of things yeah. of this to come. I said, "She, you know, she needs to see what happens and what to do." And she just went, "Oh, no one tells you this yeah. when you have children." There's not something <laughs> <true. laughs> they don't tell you, aren't they? <laughs> but even <laughs> going to the bathroom yeah. is not. There's no, no. peace. And um, leave me to shut the door that bang ran, on she the door. I got to sit what and nice. talk about poo, and I was like, "Yes, and yours." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, <yeah.
2: laughs> and the other kids. So the other bit, I didn't. It reminded me when you said about the hand washing is um, wiping as well. I think that's something that possibly I'm guilty of this with my own kids. Uh It's to my shame, I'll say, that with my daughter, I was still sort of helping her to wipe when she was going off to school um, because she just... I think because I hadn't really spent long enough really showing her and I just, you know, when you're a parent, it's kind of like it's another thing. I just knew I could quickly go in there, clean her bottom up, we were done, probably we're going out the door somewhere like we always are. But again it's another thing that children need to learn and if they don't feel confident in doing it again put yourself back in their shoes when you go to school and you're thinking oh i've got poo coming but i i can't ask miss so-and-so how if she'll wipe my bottom because i know she won't then that is terrifying isn't it because then you might get poo in your pants um, so it really we need to skill our children up with wiping, and that can begin right from potty training. There's a really nice method. It's called hand over hand, where you begin with your your hand with the paper, and there's just over the back. You can even practice on Teddy. Um, you know, do a bit of role play, and just showing them how many bits of paper you need. Um, whether you fold it or scrunch it, I know there's quite a debate on folding and scrunching, but whichever method you use, and just showing them. <laughs> look, three wipes, poo's almost gone, done. But Again, I think maybe it goes back to it being wee and poo. I don't know, that maybe we don't see it. It's it's all part of the process, but it's it's really important to definitely, even, well, I'd say even with little ones, with little ones, definitely.
1: I had a little one a few months ago. We were teaching how to wipe um, himself, and it... (laughs) The thing is, I love what children do, and so he's like, "Okay, I'm practicing." He's like, "But I need to see if I've done it." So next minute, he'd found a mirror, and he was basically bent double, looking through his legs at his bottom in a mirror, going, "I think I've done it." And he's like, "Oh, you don't need to look in the mirror every time." And he's like, "But I've done it. It's good." And I was like,
0: "Okay, great. It's a really good. I've never heard of that before. But my goodness, like, well, it's a really you've good way to check. Done a really You're good job."
2: oh yeah. bless him
0: this yeah. is this is a tip you realize that's going on the eric website This is
2: the, <laughs> the, the mirror approach to wiping <laughs> yeah. there's this lovely video on youtube i think it went viral a couple of years ago where you've got a teacher at the front and all a whole class behind her i guess their reception age where they're all sitting on little chairs with balloons strapped behind them and the balloons are there as the, the bum cheeks and that's how they're practicing so I think it's it's you know there's no hard there's no like best way to wipe your bottom or teach a child it is about yeah parents as parents that's what we do we know our kids don't we we know the sorts of things that they like some kids are obsessed with dinosaurs and and all you've got to do is introduce a bit of dinosaur role play and you know they're off it's about tailoring it to them and their their sort of sensitivities their likes their fears and just trying to be as supportive and relaxed as you can about it. The very worst thing parents can do is uh, say, oh, yuck, oh, that was a stinky one, or ooh, poo, and show some sort of disgust. I know, you know, if we don't want to get poo on our hands, but it's not the end of the world, you're just going to wash your hands. But children are like little sponges, aren't they? They'll very quickly pick up on our sort of distaste and also our, um, if we if we're not that happy with them. So I think, you know, when kids do have accidents, really important to try not to shame them about those accidents which, you know, I don't want any parent to, to feel sort of blamed by that. But, you know, there, there's no such thing as a perfect parent, is there? It's tiring, it's stressful. We all, we can all get annoyed about stuff. But I think with, um, with this, you just need to try and keep your cool and just see it as all part of parenting.
1: And I think sometimes it's, if you can keep the cool and keep it, you know, very, in a way, lighthearted and keep talking about it, it actually relieves pressures down the road it can you know if they have this negative feeling about poo that can go on for a long time and actually have a much greater impact than if in that moment it's just like okay you've got poo on your hand it's fine let's go wash it and we just need to keep practicing because it you know it is I think it's also that whole thing of it being personal and private I think which is absolutely fine but I think as a fa- it's that having that open dialogue as a family, isn't it? Of, yeah, it's fine, you know, have you got an upset tummy? Have you got, you know, is your tummy hurting? All those sorts of things. And when did you, you know, have you weed? Did it sting? Those sorts of things. What
2: colour was it, you know? And talk. allowing
1: that conversation mm. to happen is... Yeah.
2: It's giving mm. children the language, isn't it? To, to talk yeah. about and it. And also,
1: once a child starts potty training, don't stop looking at their poo.
2: No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And so... I think, you know, I've mentioned a couple of times about the fact that I've done the Eric training. And so for anyone that's listening, it would be good to kind of know a little bit more about the training that you offer
2: Eric, if anyone is interested yes yeah, so yes yeah, so i think we've been going now for over 30 years and for all of our time we're operating as a charity we've offered training it began training for healthcare professionals so that's um usually you know anybody really anybody working within continents so school nurses continents nurses gps the whole range um and we've also recent more recently branched out into doing early years so training for, for anybody supporting children with toilet training and and additional needs as well. So we've got, uh, there's a whole section on the ERIC website um, with our training offering. There's open courses. I think there's there's four key courses that we sort of run. The same ones sort of recur throughout the year. So there's plenty of opportunities to book on. Because of COVID, we went, had started doing it online. It always used to be face to face. So actually our numbers of people that were able to train has shot up, which is brilliant because obviously the more people that are trained one day we might get to the stage that you don't need a charity like Eric because everybody is so um, conversant in talk about we and poo. But but for now we're we're busy there on Zoom and we're just about to go back I think to doing a bit of sort of hybrid so some face to face, some online. So yes, yeah, so the courses it's healthy bladders and bowels, toilet training for children with additional needs, turning Line incontinence, and children with complex bladders and bowels. That's not an area that we've we've touched on very much. Is that we've talked more about children with what we would call sort of functional blood and bowel issues but um, yeah that that complex course is is there as well we also have bespoke training so you can get in touch with our um, training manager if it's perhaps a whole team or even sometimes we get like um teams of um, Constance nurses or a couple of nurseries all band together and they will then pay for training that's a bit more specific to to them and the caseload of children that they're working with. Um, perhaps it's around you know you've got a large cohort of children that are all struggling um so there's there's that so yeah it's a it's um it's a well-oiled machine our training program i would say so if anybody's interested um do take a look we also running a we do a, a conference every two years a big pediatric continence care conference uh, have I said that right? It's a bit of a garble, isn't it? <laughs> but yes, that's always very well attended. And that's to sort of find out the very latest and kind of what's going on in the wee and poo world. You know, research, um, developments, new products, kind of what Eric's working on. Um, yes, so.
1: That sounds exciting. I love a conference. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So um, I think we'll kind of finish up, but it would be good to let people know how they can get in touch with, eric and what you can help with really
2: yes so um so with eric we have our website which is www.eric.org.uk as we've talked about in this podcast there's a huge number of resources on there so um just dive in and um, we've got information for families on all the different things that we've talked about today we also have um, a children's continence pathway um, for healthcare professionals, but some families find that really useful to look at as well. So it's sort of a flow chart of, of laying out exactly how a child, how you're identifying and assessing a child and then the, the, the treatment pathways. So we have our website, we have the free phone helpline, which is available um, Monday to Thursday, ten to two. It can get very busy, so we also have a like a web form that you can fill out, just giving some brief details and then request a call back. So that's another option. As a charity, you know, everything that we do is funded um, by people's kind donations, and our training and our online shop as well. I should have mentioned our shop that we've got with a quite a big range of products to help children facing a continence challenge. So, all, that, all those sort of profits go back in to support the work, but it does mean that we haven't got sort of e- an endless number of volunteers or people working on our helpline to answer all these calls. So, um, yeah, so if anybody's out there and thinking, you know, I, I, I've waited three weeks for a call back, that I'm, I'm afraid is just the sheer volume of people that we're, we're, we're being asked to help. So, I would say if, you, if you're in that position, if you don't get through straight away, do keep trying fill out your web form but also a lot of these questions are answered on the website so just um you know keep looking on there and um you know hopefully there's a good amount of support on there until you you get through we're on um all of the key social media channels on um twitter is mainly for sort of healthcare professionals facebook and instagram as well it's quite new for it but we've got, got quite a growing following on instagram and um it's just me doing comms though. We're a team of about 11 part-time people. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those social media is a bit like that, isn't it? You've got to <laughs> you get left behind and you can, you know, it, it's, it's something to sort of like a machine that you've got to keep feeding. But, um, yeah, we, we, we've we got actually some really good video. I did this. Well, I say they're really good. I I, I did them, so I hope, I hope they're quite good. But they seem, they've been quite well received. Like just free series of potty training videos. I think there's four of them. You can access them from the potty training pages. And it's a bit like we've done today. Uh, One of my colleagues just fires, commonly asked questions about potty training at me, a bit like troubleshooting. And I sort of ramble on answering them. But, um, you know, something that's that's quite good for people to listen to, you know, or whatever stage you're at, whether it's you're first thinking about potty training or sort of in the midst of a nightmare because we've all been there and it's not not pleasant. It can be a lonely place. So um yeah, do have a have a look at that. That's on our YouTube channel as well. But all of these things, all of our social media icons are on the top of the Eric website, you just click on there and you'll you'll get through to it.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And so much we and poo talk, but it's a good talk and people <laughs> yeah. need to be talking about it more with their children. Um and I think, you know, we would like to say a huge thank you to you and to eric and hopefully we may you know get you back again in the future to do something else about wee and poo because there's so much to talk about with regards to all aspects yeah. of toilet yeah, training and t- there's
2: lots we haven't touched on isn't there yeah no
1: yeah. absolutely so but mm. thank you so yeah. much
2: thank you oh, Alina. you're welcome i've really enjoyed talking to you you can probably tell i do love talking about we and poo <laughs> i've also been known to dress up as poo we've got these giant mascots <laughs> so uh, maybe i'll remind you on a podcast you're not going to be able to see me are you but um, they're quite funny
1: Becks don't get any ideas
2: now that i would like to see yeah would, would you like to be one you can always join me at an event just as a we. <laughs> <laughs> looks of horror uh, coming across uh, the screen you never, uh, know. Know. Oh, you never know you never know yeah, thank you for giving us the opportunity thank you, yeah. yeah thank you so <laughs> much that's
1: everything for today. Thanks for listening. If there's something you'd like us to talk about, we'd love you to get in touch and let us know. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bespoke Family or head to our
0: website. The links are in our show notes. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss the next episode and please give us a rating or review if you like what you hear. We're Bex and Claire and we'll be back soon with another episode of Newborn to Team and Everything in Between. See you then!